0: It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another night of motorsports conversation. Here on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker. The Stock Car Show kicks off now, and we've got a full show for you this evening my name is tom baker from race chaser media i am joined in the race chaser studios inside the confines of the building here in mooresville north carolina where we have just had a rather nasty thunderstorm pass us by but we got sun now so we hope to be okay for the next couple of hours of radio i am joined by chris murdoch who is a master multitasker for us now. Chris is a co-host for the radio show but also our ace video shooter and we're happy to have him on board. We've got PRN at the track host Lenny Baticki in the studio and we always love it when Lenny graces us with his presence we do uh, oh that, see okay and that voice is jacob steelman who is also a master multitasker tonight. i also
2: wasn't supposed to be here tonight
1: yeah and lenny now wishes you had stayed away <laughs> um, but uh jacob jacob had a uh race rain out tomorrow night that he was supposed to be announcing for the must-see sprint car racing uh tour and uh will be Producing and co-hosting this evening. And we're going to be joined shortly by Ryan Vargas. Actually, we've got a pair of Ryans joining us shortly. Uh, Ryan Vargas going to be in studio. He is a rookie in the NASCAR k and n Pro-E Series. We're going to have Ryan Priest on the phone via the Race Chaser hotline a little later. Ryan won himself another big modified race. And of course, joining us via the Race Chaser Skype line is the inimitable Cisco Scaramuza from LSR TV, who is also part of the Cars Tour crew, and as is Chris now, and Lenny filled in last week at Hickory. And let's just say that there were some occurrences at the Cars Race at Hickory. Yeah, some shenanigans. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, Also, we will have some sad news to report as well. We've lost two. Prominent members of the motorsports community in the last few days won this afternoon, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little while. I want to start, though, with um, probably the, the major news of the week, such as it is. I don't even know if we should call it news per se. It was kind of something that leaked out that it's, it's kind of news, but it's really not news at the moment because it's really nothing at the moment but it could be something huge later on and that of course is that uh, nascar has begun work with goldman sachs on exploring the possibility the france family has been exploring the possibility of the sale of their stake in nascar and this obviously has caused quite a stir not only among the nascar fans but there's so much to this that I really haven't heard or seen talked about yet, and I want to kind of break this down a little bit. First of all, I'll go to Chris first. On the surface, this is really nothing's really happened yet, other than the Friends family is exploring with Goldman Sachs. The possibility of finding, and I'm air quoting as I'm saying this, finding a potential buyer for their stake in NASCAR, nothing's really happened yet. And yet, this has the potential to affect the span of time between now and, and when and if something actually does happen.
3: And when it first broke out here, Tom, it was it was a really interesting couple of hours because It started out as hearsay. Everybody didn't know whether to believe it or not, and and then NASCAR released a statement uh, and and worded it uh, kind of the way we expected uh, them to word it by saying they didn't really have anything more to add to the situation at that moment in time, which really stuck out to us here because they didn't really deny it. They didn't really deny it. And now everything's going forward these next few days. And there's a whole bunch of rumors going on. We won't get into the rumor mill. But it's interesting to see how this all has played out uh, over the past few days with all of this stuff, uh, you know, leading up to these uh, few hours.
1: Sure, we'll get into the rumor mill in a few moments. But... <laughs> because that's what we're here for. <laughs> Lenny Batiki, uh, you obviously have worked in several different facets of the sport. And you and I have been around the sport a while. And when something like this leaks out, even though at this present moment, it really isn't anything more than NASCAR had a conversation about maybe, possibly. It still can't be dismissed as nothing. Because if I'm a potential sponsor that's thinking about coming into the sport especially if I'm thinking about doing it directly with NASCAR. But even if I'm a potential sponsor or a team owner, I mean, you, you just kind of ask yourself, well, okay, right now it's nothing, but when could it be something? And obviously if the France family sells their stake, whoever buys it in the direction they take the sport is going to be paramount to the success of these sponsors and such. So it's kind of a... a Tenuous situation i would think or at least a little bit of a concern for any new sponsors coming in at a major level kind of wondering well who may we be partnered with in a year two years three years however many years it may be
4: that is one of the best angle analysis i have heard of this situation and an angle that nobody has spoke of so uh, bravo to you to answer yours side of it directly if if i'm that sponsor not only am i Concerned about the the, the, just the face value of it and what it would do to impact in the next 60, you know, six months, somewhere in there. But what I want to know is have some assurances that if I um, contractually obligated with a team, a track, a part of the sanction, wherever – And I'm looking at that contract based upon the recent five years. The sport looks like this in five years. So it probably will look reasonably the same if staying on the same trajectory for the next five years. But now I don't know what that trajectory is going to be. And my legal counsel is telling me we can't get into an agreement with a position that could be changing. But we're locked into other You know, things if if whatever changes would affect that agreement, how how on kind of the broader picture for the listeners, I look at it from my neighborhood. Um, There's that house in our neighborhood, like anybody else's neighborhood, where the the people don't keep the lawn up and the house is kind of rickety. And we all kind of talk about that neighbor like the fans and the media and the drivers and the teams talk about the sanction. So they all kind of complain about it, and then all of a sudden you see a real estate sign in front of the house. That doesn't mean it's sold, doesn't mean anything, but now everybody's like, oh my gosh, the Johnsons are leaving. How could the Johnsons be leaving? We love the Johnsons. Well, you know, uh, I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't sit there and try to thrash the great things that the France family for 70 years have contributed to the sport and just do it in such a visceral way some of the time they do. And then when they decide, you know what, we're getting out of here maybe. Yeah, we're going to look at the options to get out of here. (gasps) Oh my God, the France's are leaving. Stop it. It doesn't go both ways.
1: Well, it doesn't. And Jacob, the interesting thing about this is that with NASCAR having said... We have nothing to add, basically. They didn't deny that this was occurring. This no, they didn't deny it. They just said they have nothing to add. They by saying that it's the same as saying, Yes, we are looking at potentially selling the sport. Here's my question if they sell the sport, what they're selling that they own is ISC. Now, the question becomes, what then, of Lenny's employer, SMI, does that also end up being sold in the in the deal? And if not, how does SMI function with the new ISC owners? And if so, now you have a new owner for the entire thing, so... This is really an interesting situation now because, in a way, Jacob, it feels like NASCAR and the France family have sort of, in one strange way, made themselves lame ducks. Not necessarily. A little bit.
2: Not if they keep going, they haven't. But as to your point, I've heard a lot of talk from some smarter business people than I am that This would likely include the SMI properties, which would then say that before too long you would hear of NASCAR striking a deal with SMI to lump all this together. Now, I'm not going to get deep into the speculation because it's just really not my thing right now, but I will say this, I think the timing Is very interesting. This is one of those things where, especially when they didn't out and out deny it, normally when something like this has come up in the past, NASCAR has said flatly, blah, 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 report from blah, blah, blah is not true or factual. They haven't said any of that this time, which I'm not going to call it concerning, but I think it's very telling. And I think it could give a lot of direction as to where all this situation is headed. But I do believe if and when it does happen, it is going to end up involving everything. And I do think it could very easily be a deal very similar to what Liberty Media has done with Formula One, where the commercial rights holders, or in this case, the television rights holders, because I've already heard talk about the possibility of Comcast being the one to make this purchase, that in and of itself would then be the TV rights holders owning the sport. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I'm not going to get into all that yet because we don't know what the thing is going to be. But, That's at least what I've heard to this point, and especially if you look into the business side and see what Comcast is trying to do uh, in some other ventures that they're looking at, it could make a lot of sense.
1: Well, the other venture is trying to buy Fox Sports properties, so... Which is
2: 21st century Fox for those who are uninitiated. Well,
1: it would be the sports piece of that, and so Comcast looking to have kind of a monopoly on network sports properties and i'm not sure that's going to get approval but well it's, it's no different than
2: it's no different than the whole stumbling blocks right now between disney's purchase of it there's right. just as many people up in that's arms what I'm over saying. that yeah
1: that's what i'm saying the fcc is going to have to to deal with that mess but uh will be interesting. So, Lenny, you may have a new employer at some point. That's all right.
5: <laughs> Lenny's <know>. adaptable. Yes. <laughs> T- today's,
1: today's phrase that pays, by the way, is rickety. And with rickety. that, we're going to step aside. <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to talk about um, a couple of folks who um, have left us who – are so meaningful and uh, have made their mark in the sport in different ways. We will get to that around the turn. You're listening to the Stock Car Show presented by our friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsports safety. Visit them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. We'll be back with more of the Stock Car Show on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
8: Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Race Talk on the
9: Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. Here on Spreaker in the Performance Motorsports Network, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza, Jacob Seelman, Lenny Baticki, and soon-to-be Ryan Vargas uh, in studio here talking motorsports for another hour and 45 or so. And these segments are never fun to do when you have to talk about somebody in the sport who um, was very prominent in the sport and now someone that you lost uh, has been lost to us. It's never an easy thing. And um, we've got two of those folks to talk about. We're going to start with a gentleman who was not a racer, but was very excited and passionate about the sport. From the corporate marketing side, Tom Conkergood, the uh, Director of Motorsports Marketing, and I think actually Vice President of Motorsports Marketing, official title for Riley Auto Parts, passed away on Sunday at uh, the age of 51, and both Lenny Baticki and myself have Uh, The pleasure of having been able to call Tom not only a colleague through our various work in the sport and its connection to O'Reilly's, but also a friend. And O'Reilly Auto Parts, a big, big part of Performance Racing Network, uh, Lenny's current employer and your show specifically, Lenny, right? Uh, And of course, also having been uh, about a 14- or 15-year sponsor now of the National Indoor Kart Championship, which I'm the voice of on Thanksgiving weekend uh, in Mississippi. Tom was a a man who just absolutely bled motorsports. There are a lot of companies obviously involved in the sport. O'Reilly Auto Parts has been involved in the sport in a number of different ways, from the NASCAR level on down but they really were particularly concerned with the grassroots level of the sport. They felt that the level, even all the way down to our cart race that, that we do uh, in Mississippi, that that was their customer. That was the customer that that would actually walk into O'Reilly, buy parts for their car, fix their car. And they were really into the sport and into the grassroots level of the sport, Lenny. And Tom was a big fuel for that fire. And this is one of those situations where the average fan out there really wouldn't necessarily see the effect of this. But those of us who are on the inside, who not only you know were touched by Tom as a friend, but also had the chance to work with him and work with O'Reilly, it, this is a very big loss.
4: I met Tom in 2007 when I was the VP GM at Gateway International Raceway at the time. And we had the mile and a quarter oval that's still there and the NHRA Drag Races. And O'Reilly Auto Parts was the sponsor of our NHRA Drag Race. So I got to uh, know Tom through the business relationship and then become very good friends. Uh, One of the great pictures from uh, Victory Lane at Gateway is Tom and myself, kind of co-holding up my then, you know, three- or four-year-old son with the one little yeah. peg finger up. And uh, Tom is just beaming because that's grassroots racing, uh, you know, nearby Springfield, Missouri, where uh, O'Reilly Auto Parts is. But Friday, I happened to go to uh, New Antioch Speedway in Morganton, North Carolina, yep. and the promoter walked me over to Victory Lane and proudly showed – that he finally had O'Reilly Auto Parts as his Victory Lane sponsor. And he expounded upon how their commitment to grassroots was and sounded very much like you, but this is a guy that spends most of his time on the plow, getting the dirt track ready out in the mountains. And he knew uh, the love of O'Reilly through his relationship with Tom Conkergood and such, Tom affected so many people and places. Those O'Reilly signs everywhere, whether it's a Texas Motor Speedway and the O'Reilly 500, through the Gateway days and through everything else, like you said, Tom touched it because Tom loved it, and his love for the sport will will be missed somewhere, somehow, and hopefully uh, the good folks that are uh, still there Will uh, continue to shepherd it on in his honor.
1: Yeah, and my relationship with Tom started uh, when they began as the uh, title sponsor for our National Indoor Kart Championships. It's the only karting event in the country that has a sponsor outside of the karting part of the sport, a, a corporate uh, sponsor that has nothing to do with karting itself. And that was a big deal for for that event, which Lanier James runs and Bobby Waltrip, um, Michael and Daryl's middle brother, who has also passed away. Bobby died, I think, three years ago. Now, Bobby was really instrumental in getting that O'Reilly deal together. And it was really clever how it got assembled, because I had never seen this done before, but I can't believe more people haven't thought of it. The pit passes or the tickets for the National Indoor Kart Championship are available at any O'Reilly store around the country as a part number. You just go to the counter and ask for tickets and it's a part number. And this allowed... O'Reilly to feel good about sponsoring the event because in order to get your pit passes, you had to go to the O'Reilly store and it's a really clever way to build a sponsorship with, with a retail outlet like that. And I had never seen that done before. And I don't know if I've seen it done elsewhere since, Um, but really Tom was just so creative and he was so energetic and he was so proud of what O'Reilly was doing at our event. O'Reilly would allow and has allowed for the last several years our event to bring a show cart and a couple of their people around to some of the O'Reilly-sponsored races in the Mid-South area. And so that was a uh, the start of a relationship that has continued right through Today and I hope it will continue as a tribute to Tom and I know that this year's event is going to be difficult for all of us who are involved because Tom won't be there in person. Um just a huge loss and, and so young, gone way too soon, fifty-one years old, a massive heart attack. We're gonna miss Tom Conquergood, and I know we're just two of a large number of people in this sport who are gonna really miss his presence. So prayers and thoughts to him and his family. The other gentleman who we've now lost, and this just broke this afternoon, Maynard Troyer was a genius innovator in the Northeast modified scene, both pavement and dirt. Maynard was a driver and an owner and who became a builder, started Troyer Engineering in 1977. And it continues to this day as Troyer Race Cars under the uh, direction of Billy Colton, who bought the business from Maynard back in 1998. Maynard was known to so many people, not just for his driving, but for his ability to build race cars that went faster than anybody else's cars. And they were just drop dead gorgeous cars from the paint scheme to the craftsmanship of the car. Maynard was a real innovator in the sport. And I will never forget growing up at the Oswego Speedway back in the 70s and seeing some of the epic battles, Jacob, between Maynard and Richie Evans and Jerry Cook and Jimmy Champagne and Jeff Bodine and George Kent. I mean, in those days you were getting 40 or 50 cars at each of our double headers where we had the modifieds. And for the modified 200, you could have 80 or more. These were the golden days of modified sportsman racing and NASCAR didn't have a tour back then. They just had sanctioned tracks. And you know, those guys would chase points all over the place, two, three, four nights a week. And Maynard was right there. Whether it was driving himself or a car that he built for somebody, Maynard was always at the front of the field. And the battles between him and Richie Evans are just stuff of epic proportion.
2: Absolutely. And Maynard's legacy goes far beyond just the battles he had back then. It continued when he started Troyer Engineering, which later became Troyer Race Cars. He supplied dirt and asphalt modified chassis to gosh, more drivers than I can count, and uh, that legacy will continue to live on, I know, in the modified community for years and, God willing, decades to come. I mean, his influence across the entire spectrum of modified racing is largely unmatched when it comes to everything he did, all the cars he supplied, all the drivers he helped over the years and that's just something that remains as a footprint that that's the kind of person that it's painful to lose just because you know that uh, you know you don't get them at the racetrack anymore to be able to have that wisdom to be able to have that piece of the puzzle anymore tom it's just a hard loss it is
3: and you know speaking on something that you said jacob about his influence you know growing up not knowing a lot about the modified scene or or his impact on that scene it was cool to sit around today and we sat in your office Tom and just looked at photos and looked at videos of back when he was racing and all the stuff that he went to and look at the super uh, super speedway modifieds that used to run which was really cool and 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 not knowing a lot about that and learning what he's done and what he's done for the sport I can definitely tell that he's somebody that's left an impact on motorsports as a whole and will definitely be missed.
1: Yeah, he will be. And, you know, the uh, super speedway modifieds were uh, a division that started somewhere in the mid 70s and continued just for a few years. It wasn't very long. They ran Daytona. They ran Poconos, uh, Poconos, uh, big super speedway. Um, But it it didn't last very long. But Maynard was certainly influential in that. He he did run a few Winston Cup races back in the very early 70s and is best known probably for the nasty flip that he took at Daytona uh, that started actually on lap 10, I think, of yes. the uh, 71 uh, Daytona 500 when he lost control and he got down on the flat at a high rate of speed and it just launched the car up in the air it's such a violent rate of tumbles that it was almost impossible to get an accurate count. But the, uh, the count that everybody seems to have settled on was 18 and he was, he, he did get seriously injured in that one. Um, but was able to, to get back, uh, not long after that into the sport and made a few more starts in the 73 season cup before just going back to the modifieds. But, um, When we come back around the turn, we're going to have we're going to introduce Ryan Priest into this conversation. Ryan, uh, a a modified driver extraordinaire, who I know will be able to add his perspective on Maynard Troyer. And uh, I've got a couple of neat stories about Maynard I'd like to tell in the next segment as well. So we're going to. uh, We're going to bring Ryan Priest onto the program here in just a moment, and we'll talk more about the loss of Maynard Troyer and the career that Maynard Troyer had both as a driver and a car owner in just a moment or two, so stick around. We've also got Ryan Vargas coming up as well and lots more conversation around the roundtable here tonight as the Stock Car Show continues on both Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
6: or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way
1: hms motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety hms serves the majority of monster energy nascar cup xfinity camping world truck indycar and imsa WeatherTech tech teams as well as countless SECA and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout north america don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety stop in to hms motorsport visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on facebook and tell them the folks from pmn radio
5: sent you. copd chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema. And half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Well, we have one New Englander, Austin Terrio, bringing us back from our commercial break. And we're about to talk to another New Englander, Ryan Priest, And we'll uh, bring Ryan out of the pit area and let him go full throttle with us here on the Stock Car Show as we come back and continue to celebrate the life of Maynard Troyer who passed away today at the age of 79 and Ryan first of all welcome back to the program we are very happy to have you back on the Stock Car Show after a bit of an absence here Uh, and almost hate to have to start with you know some some bad news here but I know that um, you have had a very good relationship with Maynard and Troyer race cars over the years and the uh retro paint scheme that you've run on your modified uh here in recent times always just gets me in the feels um so I wondered if you might share a memory or some thoughts or even a story or two about Maynard as we continue to kind of celebrate his life on this show tonight
9: well I've I've only met Maynard uh a few times but one thing i will say is obviously he was an innovator and and he he was the man who started troyer racing and and you know gave everybody that that step forward to what it is today so i actually i hadn't heard about the news um i've been locked up in the race shop working all day and i don't really check my phone so it's uh it's definitely unfortunate to hear that and and i'm sure the entire troyer uh racing community is going to be mourning over this because uh you know, he's definitely an iconic guy, iconic fabricator and, and racer, uh, when it comes to the modified community. So it's uh it's very unfortunate. But I know we're gonna carry those those manor colors for, for the rest of the year and hopefully we can do them proud.
7: Well yeah,
1: he was um you know, as I, I started to talk about before we had to slip away to a break. I uh, grew up watching Maynard run in the 70s, which I'm sure that you've heard so much about that era of modified racing. Uh, and you know, one of the, one of the interesting stories I'll tell a couple here about Maynard and you can comment in any way you'd like to Ryan about this before we kind of come around. I'll I'll tell the first one because it directly involves Stafford, which is obviously part of the reason we wanted you to come on tonight was to congratulate you and talk about your, your win in the sizzler. But it was back in the, I think the mid seventies, I want to say maybe 76 or 77, they had a "Run What You Brung" race at Stafford, and if you uh, if you have heard anything about the history of modified sportsman racing in that era, that wasn't a totally uncommon thing, and you saw some pretty crazy things happen sometimes. And in this particular race, Maynard borrowed a super modified wing from Jimmy Champagne, and Richie Evans borrowed a super modified top wing from Nolan Swift and they each put the wings on their modifieds and took them to Stafford and finished first and second. Of course, Richie beat Maynard that day, but it, it sort of was emblematic of the kind of thing that Maynard and Richie would do to each other in that day, trying to each one up the other, only to find out that they both did the exact same thing for this rum with your race, trying to get the edge.
9: Well, that just, that just goes to show you, like I said, innovation, always thinking, uh, you know, Richie built his own cars, and so did Maynard.
1: Yeah. So,
9: uh, when it comes to those things, obviously they knew what they needed to to have that one up, and obviously, like you said, they both showed up with it. And I'm sure there was many other times that they were they were thinking about the same things, yep. uh, whatever they needed to do to get that edge. So, like I said, definitely definitely unfortunate to hear the news and. Hopefully uh, we can win some races with his colors this
1: year. Yeah, you've definitely, uh, you've replicated one of the last uh, white lightning paint schemes that Maynard had on his cars. Uh, his cars were red for the longest time. And then I think it was 77 uh, when he went to that white, white lightning uh, paint scheme that just was, that was a beautiful car. And, you know, he, uh, he was always a <laughs> A trendsetter, you know, to the to the extent that you know, even the super modifieds that he ended up building um, were all very much different from what else was racing at the time at Oswego, and uh, the first time out with um, his first super that he built. For Dean Hogue, Maynard drove it for a few weeks to to get it dialed in and ended up finishing fifth the first night out with it. He just, I mean, the man was just such a genius and such a nice guy off the track as well. So we'll talk a little bit more. I have one more story I want to share about Maynard, but we'll do it in a later segment of the show. Um, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Stafford Spring Sizzler that you won because this is an interesting year for you, obviously, bouncing between – the Xfinity starts for Joe Gibbs racing and uh, the modified starts as well, even more so than last year, because you're running more Xfinity races. You got to be happy to be able to go back to the modified and get a win in a race like the sizzler. Cause that's one of those golden uh, trophies and, and long historic trophies in modified racing up there.
9: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, obviously I think it's a well-known fact. I enjoy working on modified and working on race cars and, and so when I'm able to do that, and I have a great crew behind me, and when we can go win, it's it's, it's a different type of feeling for winning. So I always enjoy it. And winning that sizzler, it's always a, a big deal. It, it's one of our big races in the modified. So um, you know, it was it was great to, to be able to have a fast car, lead a lot of laps that day, and and come out with the win. So uh, you know, hopefully we can do that plenty more times this year
1: highly competitive tour this year we we say that every year it seems like but this year there seems to be even more depth you've got you know some new cars and new places and new faces and new places this year that i think has made it even more competitive than even last year and i know that um you know you are mainly probably concerned with the owner points, uh, championship at this point, but certainly, uh, you want to win as many races as you can. You got, uh, you got a pretty heavy, a field of, a pretty good field of heavy hitters there to get through, uh, to win these, these tour races these days.
9: Uh, yeah, I would say any, I mean, most modified races is always, it's always relatively stacked fields. So, you know, um, I think all we got to do is just keep on trying to stay one step ahead or keep developing what we have to be, to be better and, and, you know, obviously do my part, and that's the, to try and win the race. So, you know, it's, it's definitely not going to be easy by any means, but I definitely think, you know, as long as I keep working hard and my team keeps working hard and everybody's on the same page, we, we should be able to, to win some more races this year. That's, that's definitely the hope.
2: Ryan, I was at Bristol when you won last month and uh, got the hundred thousand dollar dash for cash bonus Along with it, uh, you come home, you are back in the shop. How's it feel to be a free man and not have to worry about owing people?
9: Uh, it's it, it feels good. I can tell you that. Um, you know, and and it also is nice to be able to to start building my own modified, and 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 I am enjoying that. So uh, well, you know it, At the end of the day, it's it's definitely nice to not know anybody, (laughs) especially from where I was last year. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm excited for sure.
2: Okay, I'm genuinely curious. This is the first I think we're hearing about this. Talk a little bit about building your own modified. I know, obviously, you're a car guy, but we're so used to seeing you in uh, Ed and Connie's car. Uh, so, so, So what you got going in the shop?
9: It's not a uh, tour type modified. It's an SK modified. It's oh, for okay. uh, the Friday night weekly stuff at Stafford. Oh, nice! And, and wherever I, else I choose to go run, but um, you know, I, I enjoy racing modified. So I've never owned one myself, and that's why I kind of I kind of had some ideas with with uh, somebody who's always worked really well with me. Uh, that's Mike Paquette, and and we're just kind of kind of threw it in a car and see where it goes with it.
2: You told us uh, at the test earlier this week at Charlotte Motor Speedway, you're kind of out of the Xfinity loop for just a little bit. I think Daytona in July, if I'm remembering right, is the next race for you guys. So uh, what's it like for you right now uh, having to kind of sit back and watch the team roll for a little bit and not be a part of it? You kind of had a a, a clump of a few races here at the beginning, and now you get a a month or six weeks off to kind of sit and mull on it. Well to be honest with you it's
9: it's okay because uh you know I feel like j g r is definitely gonna keep working on uh on everything with the package that with this new composite body that everybody's been going with so i'm excited to watch and, and see how everything unfolds and and it gives me some time to uh be up north and and catching up uh it's it's definitely been a a hectic uh winter dash beginning of the season because essentially we we built a brand new car and and then uh, and then we, we destroyed a, a car so I had to build another one so it's um, it's been a lot of work and there's still a lot of work to have so I am definitely going to be staying busy uh, I would say until until that race in July
3: I do want to bounce back here Ryan a little bit and go back to the uh, Charlotte test a little bit. Because uh, we saw you sharing the car and turning some laps with Kyle Busch, I want kind of talk to uh, us about how it is, you know, bouncing off ideas with Kyle and pretty much all your teammates over there at JGR in the car in tests like these.
9: I think it was more. <clears throat> I, I was just more curious that because I was listening and seeing, seeing more of the feel he looks for, and then getting in and, and feeling that 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 was definitely something you can't really replace. So that was very beneficial and I feel like that's going to help get us some speed and, and then having all the data kind of seeing where, where if you want to get some speed, uh, early when the tires are new and have grip, I found something that I could do there. So, uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited to go to some mile and a half to where I feel like I can, I can use that. And, you know, obviously Kyle's the best, you know, he's one of the best and, and, uh, there's a lot of things you could soak up from it and, you know, hopefully, uh, Hopefully, when I go to that next mile and a half, I can I kind of apply it and see where it goes.
1: Okay, Ryan, if you can, we're going to ask you just to hold tight here because we're going to bring you back out of the turn and talk to you a little more. We need to step aside and do a little business here. When we come back, Lenny Baticki has a question for you, and I want to talk to you a little bit more as well. So... Uh, We will be back in just a moment or two here with more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network.
5: edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in, you need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu.
6: Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency.
5: What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
7: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
9: Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
1: Welcome back to the stock car show presented by HMS motorsport leaders in motorsport safety. You can visit them on the web at HMS motorsport.com. And we continue with the show. We've got uh, Ryan Priest still with us, but we're really tight on time because he has a pretty big meeting that he's about to walk into. We don't want to hold him back, but Lenny, I know you had a quick question for him. Hey Ryan,
4: Ryan, I'm wearing Kevin Hughes motorsports shirt. So you know how, you know, uh, Kevin is a grassroots modified uh, team owner down here and, you are being held up, and, and rightfully so, somebody that's got talent that is grinding his way into the upper echelons of NASCAR. Have you heard from some of the Kevin Hughes types and such, some inspiration that you're giving them as they're trying to do their their thing? Or some of the veterans that have been out there that maybe are saying, hey, kid, you're doing it the right way. What Any of the stories along that line?
9: Um, to be honest with you, I'm a really good buddy of Kevin Hughes, so he's always got some fun and interesting <laughs> things to say. But, um, you know, everybody for the most part is so all, you know, very supportive and and, uh, you know, it's not easy. So just going to keep trying to, to win races. And, and I feel like that's what's gotten me to this point and And uh, hopefully that's what can keep me there.
1: Well, I know that uh, I've been able to get here alone, Ryan, and I know you're tight. So uh, who helps make it happen and who is currently helping you make it happen on both sides of the motorsports divide? <laughs>
9: Well, it's definitely nice to work for Eddie and Connie Partridge uh, on that modified, and, and then Albert and Kathy Moniz, who I drive for at Thompson, and and uh, Uptick Vineyards is, is uh, a big sponsor on my SK modified that I'll be I'll be coming out with. So, uh, you know, I got to thank all those people, and and uh, you know, hopefully we can we can go out and win some more races.
1: Well, we wish you the best of luck in both divisions this year, and hopefully uh, we'll be getting you back on soon after another big win. Ryan, thanks for taking the time, and uh, good luck in your meeting tonight. Thank you, guys. You have a good one. You too. That is Ryan Priest, and we move quickly on this show from one Ryan to another, and we have several that we rotate in and out, it seems, periodically, (laughs) just enough to confuse the host. We go from Ryan Priest tonight to Ryan Vargas, who not unlike Ryan Priest, is a young driver trying to escalate and elevate himself to the Cup Series. Um, Ryan Vargas, of course, racing in the NASCAR K&M Pro E-Series right now as part of the Drive for Diversity program for Rev Racing. And uh, Ryan's kind of a veteran of this show, it seems, here lately. We're happy about that. So welcome back.
10: Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. I mean, I like being on the show. I love you know, sitting here at the round table and talking, racing. So this is always a lot of fun.
1: Well, we enjoy having you, and uh, you've got a pretty big weekend coming up. Talk about it.
10: Yeah, we got Twin 100s this weekend at uh, South Boston Speedway, but, uh, you know, we had a strong run at Langley. We had a you car, did, yes. We had a car much more capable than the result that we got, but you always got to look at performance over the result, and we showed showed our strength that entire race. So I feel like going into South Boston, I have a lot of momentum working uh, to build on, and I know my crew, Steve uh, Booker and Glenn, they – but they are a good piece for this weekend.
1: What have you learned over the first few races now that you've had some time to kind of get acclimated to the K&N Pro East type of car and the type of racing and race pace that uh, that series requires of you? What have you learned for the first through the first few weeks that you feel like can help you going down the road for the rest of the year?
10: I say the biggest races that I've learned the most were Bristol- And Langley Speedway, Bristol, for one part, was the fastest track I've ever been on, the highest bank track I've ever been on, and you go the hardest you've ever gone. Then you go to Langley, and it's a big tire conservation race. The (laughs) the track is apparently like a cheese grater on these tires. So it's
1: opposite extremes. Exactly.
10: Completely opposite uh, extremes. And especially Langley's flat. It feels like a parking lot. So when I went into Langley, and we had that race where we had to just basically ride for most of the race, it was something that I've never had to do. I've never been an entire conservation race. I've done technically a conservation race in a late model, but that was not even close to what we had to do at Langley. So it helped me learn a lot about the dynamics of what goes into those type of races and just how to pace myself.
1: And yet you came out 13th at Bristol in a race that was, let's just say, exceedingly busy for the tow truck uh, operators. And uh Let's just say we were lucky; we were not one of those. I got
10: I had a little bit of, I had a lot. Of, I shouldn't say a little bit; I had a lot of bit of damage coming off the track, but um, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> bit of damage. Um,
1: but yeah, I mean, look, it looked like strong. the street stock that you drove about two, three years ago.
10: Yeah, it looked like it looked like old Christine at the yeah. Bullring. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, but I was I was going to make the point that you you went from thirteenth there to ninth at Langley. So, despite the fact that it was such a different approach for you from one race to the next you actually improved your result
10: yeah the result the, the result was improved I mean you also got a kind of for me I look at the car count as well the car count was a little bit smaller than the Bristol race but the com- the competition that was there were the, was the competition that's there to will for the championship and right now we're locked in about fourth in points and i never like to look at points but that's a solid spot for where we're at right now it just shows that consistency does matter in this series and so I feel like if I can come out of Lang- out of uh, not Langley, South Boston, with some good finishes, hopefully some top fives. Knock on wood. I mean, we can get some good, we can get a good points day out of it. I feel like
1: he actually did find some wood here in the studio tonight.
10: I
2: was to. gonna <laughs> say, did did
10: I just hear him knock
2: over? He there? actually yeah. did. Yeah, he, he did he a little did bit knock of sound on,
1: effect there. Knocked on the wood, uh, Vargas.
2: I, I, you had to reach around you to find the wood. That
10: table
1: that table's not wood. I hope you know that.
10: Oh, no. I, 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 I did the whole twist looks,
1: and everything. It, it looks like wood. It's close enough. Yeah. Um, so going, going to South Boston now, you've, you've not raced that track before, but I know that you've watched some video and you've talked to some folks. What do you expect that race is going to be as compared to Langley? Similar size tracks, but very different. Go hard
10: every lap. Yeah, that's what I was told. I mean, because the thing is, you get you get two 100 lap races, and both they're both treated as completely different races. You get a fresh set of tires for the first race, and a fresh set of tires for the second race, and they're only 100 laps. So you gotta you gotta run hard, run hard, run hard, and try to get as many positions as you can, and not tear up your stuff for the second main.
3: I want to talk about social media here for a little bit because social media is becoming such a big part of motorsports. Yeah. And I can't believe I'm about to say this, but NASCAR allowed you to take over their Snapchat. Yeah, they did? Uh, how was that experience?
10: Was it cool? It was really cool. I mean, <laughs> it was a uh, and of and of all things, I I got I got to take over their Snapchat for bo- the Bowman Gray race on uh, Saturday night, and that was uh, a <laughs> I mean, if anybody <laughs> knows if anybody knows Bowman Gray, which I'm sure anybody who's listening to this knows bowman gray everybody knows bowman everybody gray. knows bowman gray it is insane. it's the madhouse it's it there's a reason why they call it the madhouse i'll yeah. tell you that and that was my second time going there it's always i mean i go there and i never leave not entertained it is such a great time and i had a, I had a blast kind of hanging out with some other drivers as well in the stands and kind of just promoting short track racing i even met a little kid uh in the front row i, I put i highlighted him on the nascar story his name was brantley and he had the all the flags, like when, the, when they would restart, he'd wave the green flag just like the flag man. He'd throw the caution flag when the caution came out. It was awesome. I mean, the fans are just so engaged there.
4: What kind of car at um, Bowman Gray would you like to get in? Do you ever think, you know, boy, I'd like to get out there with Burt Myers and run those very technical big tire modifieds? Or do you think, yeah, you know, over there in the uh, street stocks with that uh, crazy guy Holloman,
10: I could just, you know, knock the, you know, snot out of him with the fenders, you know? Man, I mean, all that stuff looks good. I mean, I grew up, I grew up racing late models and street stocks and stuff like that. So for me, I'd, I'd like to do, like, I would love to get in one of those sportsman cars and do rub rub fenders with them. But I mean, those modifieds, also, those things look like so much fun. I mean, what I would give to run some laps at Bowman Gray in
1: that in one of those cars. That'd be a lot of fun. Okay, uh, we're gonna step aside. Actually, when we come back, we are going to have more with Ryan Vargas and we've got a whole second hour of uh, motorsports to talk about here and lots of interesting topics still including last weekend's Cars Tour race where a few of the folks at this panel Ding got uh, pretty close to some action that went on uh during the event so we'll uh, we'll talk about that here around the turn you're listening to the stock car show presented by our friends at hms motorsport the leaders in motorsports safety you can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com and we will be there next thursday night tell you more about that later as well some interesting guests lined up for that show back with more on spreaker and the performance motorsports
6: network
8: Hi, I'm Timmy Salamito, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Well, speaking of modified drivers, Timmy Salamito, a member of the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour, who is trying on a regular basis to prevent Ryan Preece from winning races. Uh, Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza, Jacob Seelman is behind the glass producing and co-hosting. We have Lenny Baticki from PRNs at the track here at the round table with us. And also Ryan Vargas, a rookie in the K and N pro series East. Okay. I think this is probably as good a time as any is, is there's going to be in the show to, to pull the strings, to pull <laughs> to, to, uh, to start <laughs> having <laughs> some conversation about uh, the doo-doo that occurred At the Cars Tour race over the weekend at Hickory Motor Speedway, it basically turned into Bowman Gray Stadium, pretty much. Um, And uh, I was not there, but Chris Murdoch was on pit camera duty. Lenny Baticki had a mic in his hand in the pits doing the... Uh, inside announcing if you will and Cisco Scaramuzzi was in the confines of the tower high above and out of harm's way but uh, <laughs> I Know you guys saw this now I'll set this up and then I'm just going to try to direct traffic here and let you guys elaborate on it During the race you had two drivers that ended up in conflict Brandon Setzer laid the bumper to Raphael Lassard, who was driving the Kyle Busch Motorsports 51 and moved him out of the way and passed him. Raphael retaliated quite a bit more aggressively shall we say than he was dealt with and basically picked the back end up off of the Setzer uh, of the Setzer car up off the ground (laughs) going into a corner and um, went on his merry way At which time uh, Dennis Setzer, Brandon's father, got a little bit excited and Brandon got a little bit excited. I guess I'll start with Cisco because you were up top and may or may not have had the best view. And then we'll bring the other guys in. What did you see and uh, talk a little bit about what happened after that?
8: Well, before we do that, we also have to keep in mind that in this series two weeks ago at the race at Orange County, uh, Branded had also gotten moved there as well. So there's already been a little bit of history, and if you want to pull out the Jimmy Spencer line, drivals, drivers never forget. And sure enough here, so we had the uh, checkered flag came out. They uh, After the spin with Setzer, uh, they had one more restart, and Setzer got put to the back. Both Raf and Setzer were in the back, and apparently, from what Uh, Tony Stevens who is alongside me calling all the action Uh, apparently there was a little bit of brake checking going on during that last restart we didn't really get a chance to look much at that because we were watching the lead and uh, the battle which I will say was an incredible battle at the end so congratulations to Dilbeck for winning the race so he goes out, does a burnout Polish victory lap goes around the track And at that point, I have Ian Plash, who was the cameraman up top, go in my ear and go, me, 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 me. And then, sure enough, there's up top, we see Setzer running down from his pit, which was, if you think about how Hickory was, he was just past that L. So, kind of, the pit road isn't long enough for all the haulers to line up. So, he was a little bit past the edge of where the front stretch pit road was and a little bit off to the L, that kind of you take that left-hand turn. So anyway, turn he one, comes yeah. sprinting down there, and sure enough, um, we all of us knew where he was going, and Chris can allude to that a little bit more, but he comes running down the pits, and sure enough, here we go. And Chris, I think at that point I'm going to hand it off to you because you were down there.
3: Well, at that point, Lenny and I were sitting on the pit wall getting ready for victory lane. And all of a sudden, we see this red blur coming down <laughs> yes. pit Road of his fire suit.
1: Faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than his fire suit. Cisco e.
3: says, Chris, you're live. So I go sprinting <laughs> after him down pit Road.
4: I, I stayed. Victory Lane is so, you know, I had to be
10: near, it was a, you know, it was Chris Gilbeck.
3: Com- it was a comfortable spot, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well,
10: yeah. yeah. You, you, didn't want to move. you stayed out of the. Out of the danger zone. But oh we, yeah,
4: I've been in plenty of uh, enough near uh, short track fights. I know it doesn't. You really, and I, Lenny, are smart get, enough to yeah. stay
1: in the back, like how, so that when you turn around and run, we're in front. Yeah, That's, I like how
10: this all happened, and I was at the madhouse, and yet there was no fight at the madhouse. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and yet you go, you flash forward to Hickory, and they're doing this. Yeah, they're doing
8: madhouse. And house weren't you things. at Orange County two weeks ago? So you missed it, like when you went.
10: Yeah, basically.
8: <laughs> go ahead, Chris. Pick it up. We we
3: get down to. Raphael Lassard's car. Raphael didn't get out of the car, which I think is smart on his part. Smart move, Rafi, On his part. So the the crew kept him in the car. Dennis Setzer was already there, I think, throwing punches at crew members and stuff. Yeah, more on that in a
8: little bit. Uh, (laughs) And
3: and, and Brandon... I mean, it's smart on Raphael staying in the car because Brandon overshot him and went straight to the crew members and just started throwing punches. And by that time, law enforcement had got there, threw uh, Brandon to the ground behind Raphael's car, and uh, some fans got into it, but that was pretty much it. Hey, idea. Chris,
2: let me add to that, by the way. When he overshot where he thought Rafi was going to be, he ran smack into KBM crew chief Cody Glick in the process.
3: Yeah, and uh, we I actually got to talk to – to Cody a, a few days ago, and he said it. It never should have happened. He 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 was regretful and saying, you know, it was just a, a crazy situation that all of all of that stuff was should have never happened. And he's right. None of that none of that should have happened.
8: Cisco, you wanted to
1: chime in on some details here.
8: Yeah, and it was something that Matt Weaver uh, brought to light uh, on on uh, Short Track Scene. Uh, once Jack McNally uh, released his statement, he actually spoke to Short Track Scene, and something Weaver pointed out was the fact that apparently when Dennis actually got to the 51s pit, we didn't see it on broadcast because we saw Brandon running and we cut to that, but apparently when Dennis was at the 51s pit, he apparently went over – and uh, apparently, you know, uh, according to Short Track Scene, actually did physically assault uh, uh, Lasard's father, Francois Lessard. And apparently that's why he was there in the first place, apparently broke his glasses and stuff like that. So that's apparently what happened behind the scenes. We didn't see that, and we didn't know about it until this article came out.
1: Interesting. Okay, so, Lenny, I'm going to let you offer your two cents on this whole thing before I offer some thoughts of my own. Well, I
4: I am not going to talk about what you guys were talking about because for every group in this, the the one that Cisco mentioned, the other group that, you know, broadcasts, uh, you know, races and stuff, there's a lot of people that talk about how they promote grassroots racing. All we've done all week is promote a fight and we've missed one of the greatest grassroots racing stories that's easy to tell and that is the David versus Goliath unbelievable gamble that Chris Dilbeck and his team took and the strategy that they used to overcome the big money teams that everybody bitches about to overcome all the tire stuff everything else with a team that has less people than we have in this room and all the good stuff has been hijacked stolen overhyped, and just absolutely lowest common denominator used. Chris Dilbeck should be having every second of airtime for taking a 450-horsepower engine into a 650-horsepower fight with everybody, hanging on for dear life, getting past in that caution melee, and then with two to go, driving his butt off, up at the top, four wide in corner four, and winning the race. That's what I talk about, and that's what everybody should be talking about, not about two people whose passion overread their brains, and they're great folks, and we all love short tracks, and you know the passion and all that other stuff. But I'll tell you, if we're promoting grassroots racing, we have no better example that you can find than Chris Dilbeck's absolute gutsy driving, ballsy move to even try it, and the brainful strategy that he and his crew employed to do it, that's what short track racing is, not fighting.
1: Well, there you go. I don't disagree with any of that. Wow. My only comment on on the situation we've been discussing is this. I heard some sentiments about the fact that some people were saying that if they were going to suspend... Uh, Dennis and Brandon for the rest of the season, that they ought to have done something with Rafi as well. And here is my two cents on that. The car's rule book, at least the way that they enforce it, has been that if you cause a caution or you're involved in a caution on the racetrack, you go to the back. Rafi went to the back. Brandon went to the back. The suspension was for the altercations that happened after the race, and Brandon was involved, and Dennis was involved. And Rafi was not involved. Now we 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 can argue, Chris, about whether or not Rafi was smart or not smart for or you know weak or you know chicken or whatever you want to say. But as far as I'm concerned, he did the right thing by staying in the race car. Um, so, Chris, in my opinion, the suspension is absolute. And the idea that somehow Rafi should have been caught up in the suspension or or some sort of a fine or whatever, that's okay if you've done that before in the same situation with other drivers, but you can't just change it midstream and decide, well, this time we're going to suspend when you haven't done that in the past. That's my only opinion on that.
3: I I applaud Rafi's team to that extent because they were smart enough and self-aware That if you keep your driver in the car, you immediately take him out of that situation. That's correct. The only situation you have to worry about is that on-track incident. You're not even going to put yourself or jeopardize your championship run here in the car's tour by getting out of the car and ultimately trying to defend yourself. So at that point, Rafi's team did exactly what they needed to do. They said, stop, stay in the car, and let everybody else handle it. And that was perfect to me. And that's the way it should have been handled.
1: I agree. And you know what? The last uh, comment that I'll make on this is that as far as my opinion on the suspension, I think it was absolutely the right thing. Give them the rest of the year off. Let them think about it. You don't need that kind of nonsense at your racetrack, period. End of discussion, Jacob. That's my opinion on it. I'm not a big fan of fighting. I don't care if it promotes more Hits on the internet or whatever, you got to learn to handle your business better than that.
2: Well, I'm not going to get into my opinion because you and I will end up arguing and we'll never get to this commercial break that we need to get to. But what I am going to say is. (laughs) Oh, there's always later segments. (laughs) You're not wrong. Anyway, what I'm going to say here, by the way, is the fact that Brandon and his team do plan to appeal. Said penalty and I will say this is in line with the same penalty that the crumbs got uh, when there was another altercation at a cars tour event um, in the recent past and after appeal that suspension was knocked down to three races so I could see something similar happening in this case and the crumbs by the way landed more punches than Brandon did in that particular altercation and so. Beth yeah, <laughs> I got, think Annabeth landed yeah. more punches than Jake uh, yeah. in that
1: situation. Uh, but, but yeah, but, I mean, Dennis, with the assault on Rafi's dad. Uh, in then this...
2: suspend Dennis. Don't suspend Brandon.
1: Well, if they yeah, both agreed. landed punches. Yeah. Brand, I mean, th- my point...
2: understanding is Brandon, it's questionable whether Brandon actually landed one or not.
8: Well. If it was, it was maybe a glancing blow. But, no, Brandon, I don't believe, actually managed to hit anyone.
1: No. I think you got to take him, take him out at least for a little bit. If it's three weeks, it's three weeks. But I think Dennis, if he did what they say he did to Rafi's dad, if that is true, Dennis is gone for the remainder of the year and shouldn't be allowed anywhere on the property at the cars to a race for the rest of this season, in my opinion. And with that, we will step aside and take a break here so we can both, we can all go to our corners and, uh, have some, have a beverage and relax. And we'll come back. We've got plenty of more uh, racing to talk about. We've got penalties galore. We were passing out penalties like cigars after a birth. Like Oprah. Uh, after Yeah, at, uh, <laughs> at, at, after Dover. We're going to talk about that. And, uh, oh, by the way, in case you've been under a rock for the last few weeks, Matt Kenseth's coming back. We'll talk a little bit about uh, his return to Kansas and what you might expect out of that, as well as we continue here on the Stock Car Show which is presented by HMS Motorsport and we are broadcasting live on Spreaker and the
6: Performance Motorsports Network how to be a great dad in 15 seconds bike ride, go fish, walk in the park phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh talk, read a story, tell a story bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose stay tight (sighs) because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life take time to be a dad today Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career.
7: You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car.
9: Hi, I'm Brandon McReynolds, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
2: Can, can we talk about, by the way, since Brandon McReynolds is bringing us back from break, Tom, how he's going to have the longest road to get to Saturday's South Boston Twin 100s of
1: any driver in the field, period, bar none? Well, yeah, Brandon has what you call a Heinz weekend. He's going to be doing 57 different
2: varieties. (laughs) So here's the story behind that. Brandon has obligations between working for Joey Logano's marketing company and serving as Noah Gregson's driver coach slash spotter at Kansas Speedway tomorrow night. So he's going to spot for Noah in the truck race. He's going to fly all the way back here to Charlotte, get about three or four hours of sleep, wake up early Saturday morning, drive to South Boston, hop into the Visconti Motorsports Number 74 K&N East car, and drive it into 100 lap races on Saturday night. That is called the really, really, really Ryan Vargas roundabout way to get to a racetrack.
10: I love it. I am so excited, and, and that's
1: really cool for Brandon. That's really cool for Brandon. I'm really I know cool why to, you're excited. You're hoping that he is so tired by yeah. the time he <laughs> gets to the feature that he Woo! just drops like a stone to the back. No. I hate to say that, but it's probably not going to happen. No, cause. but, I mean, it's really cool. It,
10: it, I've really had a blast racing with Brandon this year, and it's been really cool to learn off of him. And he was one of the first kind of guys I went to when, when I started discussing about doing the KN racing. So it's really cool to go to race against him and learn off him and talk to him. So it's really cool. He's been around the block a time
2: or two, and Tom, he's going to have a really good shoe piloting that car in practice tomorrow, because four-time NASCAR Wheel and All-American Series national champion, Lee Pulliam. Yeah, that guy is going to be behind the wheel yes. of that car getting it set up. Oh, he's wow. turned a lap or 10,000 around South Boston.
1: Yeah, really. But he, but I don't know if he's ever done it in a K&N car, and it's, it's a little different than the late model there.
2: Yeah, but I still think if you're Lee Pulliam, you know the line. You know how oh, yeah. the, a stock car needs to feel around that place. It. Probably takes him half an hour to get it close to right. (laughs) Yeah, if if that. that.
1: Yeah, if that. That's really interesting. Well, that's good. Yeah, Brandon certainly is going to have some fun. And that's the beauty of when you're in a situation at the grassroots level, but you also have commitments. It's kind of interesting to me that Brandon is – Working for the marketing company of a driver who drives a Ford, but he's going to go spot a Toyota driver and then turn around and what what is the what is the wheel and is that a, a Ford or a Chevy or a Toyota? Hang the,
2: on, drive drive the Visconti. You mean the Visconti? Yeah, car? car what, it's a Chevy. It's, it's a Chevy. Chevy. It's a Chevy. So
1: so he's he's going to be working for a Ford-based driver's marketing company, spotting for a Toyota driver and then turning around and driving a Chevy. it's well, all, all channels. Of that.
4: That. Channels of
2: distribution. Yeah. Oh, that's all oh, it is. Oh, let's oh, okay. be. Clear by the way that Kevin Harvick has a marketing company and yeah. he manages Harrison Burton, who's a Toyota driver. So I mean there's that little yeah, you know, this is not unprecedented.
1: Well no, but it's 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 interesting when you're covering all three bases in different roles over the course of about forty eight hours. That's that's really funny, Cisco.
8: Yeah, and uh, now that we've talked about all these manufacturers, my head hurts. So let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, we'll let you. We'll let you find some aspirin, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, well, we've got actually three topics I want to cover before we're done with the show. So we'll start with uh, one that I know is near and dear to both Chris and Cisco's heart. Um, it involves racing, and NASCAR has started a youth esports or is starting a youth esports league that i believe actually starts um in the fall if i remember correctly but they're signing that would make sense signing people up now uh and it is um and and chris or cisco jump in but i think it go ahead chris it's a series that will start i think the article
3: read uh september yeah uh and it's from ages 13 to 16, Yep, Uh, and I think it's a 12-race season that will will stretch out and and really I think the article put it trying to find the next crop of development drivers for NASCAR, which is a weird way of putting things and it's going to be interesting how that whole deal plays out because I know you and I, Tom, were talking about it a little bit uh, off air and, and we're just trying to bounce ideas of what this really could be.
1: Yeah, here's my deal with this, Cisco. Uh, my thought on this is I, what I'm not seeing is I'm not seeing a connection to what happens after. If you win, what happens? That, that I, I don't know where, like, I, to me, I think we should get a few of these teams to go ahead and offer some sort of, you know, whether you incentive. get a one-race deal or at least you get a test. I mean, you get some sort of a thing here. There should be a connection to where, okay, I won but then now what? There should be something that follows that, in my opinion. And I hope that other than, you know, a cash prize or you know, a trophy or whatever, I'd like to see NASCAR and some of the teams pitch in and, and make it possible for one or two of these uh, succeeding young talents to jump in something for a test. Agreed. And
8: this could be something where that might come along in the future. This could also be something to where NASCAR just wants to do this and see, you know, shake how it goes. Shake the old iRacing tree, see what yeah. falls out, and then from there maybe go somewhere. I'm not really sure yet. Certainly building a league in iRacing isn't exactly the hardest thing in the world, especially if you're NASCAR and basically Attaching your name to anything on the iRacing service means people are just going to, like, jump on all over it. We've seen that with the Pro Invitational, and we obviously, with Peak being the way it is, very similar. And the timing kind of works out into the same way, where this would probably augment the NASCAR iRacing Pro Series, which is the developmental series that works alongside Peak to bring people into Peak. So the timing works out with that, but... I agree with you in the fact that there definitely doesn't seem to be a what happens next after that. I definitely would like to see that. Maybe it could come with something alongside, you know, obviously with Dale Jr. And Dale Jr. name dropping about a month ago and just saying like, hi, I'm still here in the iRacing forums, which broke iRacing for like a day. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe something involved with that to the same effect of maybe giving them a shot and maybe a Cars Tour ride or something like that or – You know, something to the low level. Dale's talked about that in the past. But I think something – I think the biggest thing to come out of this is this feels like NASCAR responding to the Tony Stewarts of the world who say, oh, these kids are too young to be in full-size cars. They shouldn't be racing now." that. Now, keep in mind, iRacing's minimum age requirement to be on the service is actually 13. So that's why I couldn't be any younger. You can't have nine-year-olds on iRacing unless – You know, they join as their parents or something like that. And at (laughs) that point, you're breaking the terms of service. But iRacing's minimum age is 13. Might we see NASCAR ask iRacing to lower that? Possibly. But I think this is it's it's an interesting gap in terms of the age market for where they're trying to target. Because some of these some of the kids who are 10, 11, 12 may already be in route to doing something. I'm not necessarily sure that this is going to try and find people who strictly i race. I feel like this is going to be something to target kids who are in Legends, Bandos, you know, have a little bit of racing experience already, and from there, see them on i racing, see what they can do in a virtual setting, see if they can compose themselves for interviews, something like that. And at that point, maybe go on and maybe, you know, like we said, do a developmental deal with Junior or something like that.
3: This is not the first time we've seen iRacing kind of – Play into the the NASCAR world here, Tom. We we've had NBC Sports do the do, do the lap arounds with Parker Kligerman and the iRacing service to really understand the line, and we've had a few successful su- success stories. If I could, for you to say. if I could <laughs> spit it out there uh, from iRacing into the real life racing, William course, Byron. Most notably, like you said, the young twenty year old <laughs> that's now driving the twenty four machine for Hendrick Motorsports. William Byron got his start on iRacing and then he moved into the Legends cars and we know it's all history from there. So it's definitely not the first time we've seen everything transpire in iRacing leading up to NASCAR. So I'll be interested to see where where these kids go from here.
10: And I mean, adding on to your point, I mean, as the great, as a Rick Allen quote, he started racing on a computer. I mean, that's kind of like (laughs) how the future is. I mean, right now it is a lot of kids are starting getting their start in racing on a computer. I mean, I I mean, I grew up playing video games, not iRacing, but that's just kind of how where I, my love for racing kind of started too, I mean, besides going to my local short track. So, I mean, you see these young drivers who are going to be doing this series who actually show a lot of good talent behind the wheel of a virtual car. I mean, hopefully that could transpire into something in real life.
8: And there's definitely two other things I want to hit before, and I want to quickly get Ryan's impression on the second thing. But the first thing, of course, we also have to understand the fact that William Byron used iRacing not to impress Rick Hendrick and get a ride in there. It was to convince his parents that he could actually control a car and not crash it into a wall before he went Legends car racing. That's actually, according to him, how it all kind of got started with that. But the second point I want to put out was something I mentioned earlier about the fact that, you know, this is for drivers who maybe already have just a little bit of experience. But Ryan, as someone who's kind of seen the iRacing service a little bit, there's definitely a two-sided There's definitely two sides to iRacing. There's the kind of rec club mentality to where it's you and a bunch of friends running in a league, having a good time, something like that. And then there's the extremely serious side that I deal with a little bit more as far as the broadcasting goes. Something like some of the more serious leagues like RSR or uh, Sim 500 or something like that. That, I think, is also going to be interesting to see the kids who go into this series. How many of them are actually going to take it seriously and act, you know like they have a head on their shoulders or and how many are just gonna go out and hot lap, Ryan. I think that's also something that i racing can do and make it a little bit give you that step, which, you know, not necessarily every, you know, Legends race or Bando race are gonna be able to do that.
10: And that's and that's what's important right there too. I mean you gotta and for me, I it's tough for me when I do i racing. It's very tough for me when I do i racing. I like doing i racing. I like like in preparation for South Boston, I you know, I did some laps on i racing just to see what it's like going around South Boston from a driver's view angle, but it's it's tough. I mean, when you grow up racing race cars, you, you race by the seat of your pants. I mean, that's just the old saying, but that's true. And it's hard for me when I'm sitting in a lounge chair or like a little office chair playing a racing game. Like you feel it in the wheel. It has that force feedback or whatever, but it's for, to me, it's very odd. And so for me, the biggest challenge for these kids, if there is something, like you guys said, getting in a car, like some type of incentive like that, how are they going to be able to handle driving by the seat of their pants?
3: Well, I do want to bring up and go back and touch on a point you made, Tom, about you know what happens next. I love iRacing. I love the service. They've come a long way since 2008 starting up, and, and it, it's really – a good sim to get on there, like Cisco said, with a bunch of your friends, or take it more seriously and run. But with this series with NASCAR, I've always thought of NASCAR as a, a as a, a poor man's way to get into the top level and, and and race there and race the Cup car, race the Xfinity car, and and go through all these levels of racing in, in motorsports. But that means that being said, a poor man's level of racing. Some of these kids that participate in these series can't go out and, and, and buy a late model ride or a legend yeah. ride. What happens to those? Is there going to be I- I- an incentive like Ryan's saying yeah. to go out there? Because a lot of these guys can't afford this. That's why they're on iRacing.
1: Right. So it'll be interesting to see how this works out. Of course, uh, Lenny and I got our start in racing with Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars. Yes. Which were a whole (laughs) Uh, lot cheaper, but just as much fun, at least as I recall.
4: And and I I liked listening to uh, the the guesstimates on what the uh, strategy is for this. You know, it may just be NASCAR trying to make sure that they have a toe in this water, a hand in this game, so to speak, until they can figure out actually how to use it and how to adapt it. Because it, it may take them a while to figure out you know who they need to work right. with and how they need to go i, I don 't put an awful lot of stock yet into what they 're doing because I, I bet they have like a one pager (laughs) right now (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) yeah stay tuned more details to follow (laughs) is basically where we're at right now uh and we are going to step aside we will take a break cisco thank you for your time on the show tonight he is going to be uh heading for the pits and on to his next project for the evening but we uh, will come back with more of the stock car show still another 30 minutes ahead of us here on spreaker and the performance motorsports
6: network stay tuned stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444
1: Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent
8: you. Hi, this is John Androsik of Five for Fighting, here for Rad, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk.
7: A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
5: Hi,
2: I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
1: Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. (laughs) you are on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker and we are gonna be going uh adding a live video stream pretty soon to these shows and uh it will make for such entertaining watching here uh, considering what happens when some of these re-entry songs come on. Uh, so welcome back to the show. Tom Baker joined still by Ryan Vargas and Chris Murdoch and Lenny Baticki from PRNs at the track and Jacob Seelman over there behind the glass doing such a great job of producing and trying to still have some thoughts on the microphone tonight. And hey, hey, big, 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 big news here, folks. Listen real close. We gots. A new Truck Series sponsor for next year, Chris. The Gander
3: Outdoor Truck Series. Gots. We gots a truck race. And and that begs a a real question because you guys, the people listening at home may be thinking, wait, they dropped Camping World? No, it's the same guy. just Just changing the name. And that in itself is really interesting because it sets up another rumor mill here in NASCAR. And that being Matt Kenseth, In the six six car. Now, Tom, we know your opinion on this because the rumor is that with Camping World shifting from the the title sponsor, they could possibly be going to the six car to fund some of that ride. Mm -hmm. And that might mean... A a big that might play a big factor in the remain, remainder. I'm having a hard time speaking English today. A remainder of the Trevor English Bain's broken. It, the <laughs> remainder of Trevor Bain's seat time at a Roush Fenway Racing car, <sighs> and we know your opinion on that.
1: Well, it's not. It's not his English. It's its tongue that's having trouble <laughs> it's functioning properly. it's not properly working. Yeah. Not working. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I just think that the way that Roush has gone about this whole thing is very disingenuous to Trevor. But I'm not going to dwell on that because the, the fact that Camping World is choosing to go over and sponsor a team, as far as I'm concerned, any new sponsor into the sport or into a new part of the sport is a good thing. And even though it's the same company owner uh, who owns both companies, of course, Gander outdoors, for those of you who are going, wait a minute, I know a Gander mountain, but I've never heard of Gander outdoors. Well, okay. You're right. Gander outdoors is the company formerly known as Gander mountain. Um, and much like Prince, they've gone, <laughs> gone and changed their name.
4: Um, Man, the that was deep. Yeah, well, you know, uh, <laughs> wow. you
1: had to get that in. But yeah, so Gander Outdoors now opening stores all over the place and kind of a new situation uh, with that purchase of Gander Mountain. So wanting to put Gander Outdoors into NASCAR in a significant way to promote that brand you just simply go and sponsor oh the truck series uh and then move your camping world brand over to a race car rumored to be the Roush Fenway 6, more for Kenseth Mania, which will, I'm sure, undoubtedly be the biggest story uh, for the next uh, oh year or so. Uh, and we're going to talk about that in some detail here, starting with his return to Kansas in the moment. But uh, Ryan Vargas, you look like you're ready to jump yeah, into the I thought mean, here. For
10: me, like that's honestly one of the better decisions I've seen recently with a titlement sponsor besides you know monster jumping on board. Heck yes. Anyways um <laughs> yeah. uh Men but, Cup. Yeah, Men Cup. Anyways, but <laughs> the I, the fact that they went from that the owners of the camp of Camping World or the the big guys behind that we decided to change it to Gander Outdoors, that is perfect. Just like you said, who's Gander Outdoors? Not many people really un- like know. Maybe that name is kind of not very well known as well as Camping World. Everybody knows who Camping World is. Yeah, a lot of people. I mean, that's just a very household name. Sure. So when you put Gander Outdoors on it, it's an extra promotion for that. For that, it it gives it another another. I guess you could say market NASCAR. Sure. NASCAR fans. So that's a that's just a good idea in my opinion.
1: Well, and, and to me, Chris, I mean, it's six of one half dozen of the other because those who hunt and fish generally have trucks right so you either have to pull your trailer with a truck or you take your truck to the local outdoor store to buy your supplies so you know it it really was as much of a perfect fit as camping world was to be the title sponsor and i just like the fact that it's now gots There's no losing in that situation, Tom,
3: because it it just goes hand-in-hand. You're just replacing one name with another, but they both kind of go hand-in-hand with each other. So I'm really excited for for Gander to be the title sponsor. Like you said, it adds a new name. Mm -hmm. He says it's a new outlet for them to get known on. So there is is no lose in this situation, and and that's what makes everything so great.
4: I think Gander – has seen the success of Bass Pro, now sure. Bass Pro and Cabela's. Yep. And, uh, you know, I've shopped at the old version, Gander. They had, Gander you know, Mountain. a wide yep. variety of things. But I've never shopped at a camping world. I'm not a camping guy. I think, you know, seeing it, you know, uh, a hotel is camping enough for me. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I would still go to Gander because there's things, you know, that, that I, I'm interested in there. And... I think that broadens the market, and then they can still have whatever success they want to have with whatever car they may sponsor in that.
1: Yeah, so it's a way to keep – we basically do, in that sense, we've added a new partner to the sport, Mm -hmm. and that's a good thing. Um, Now, we've got three minutes left here, and so I'm going to kind of do a little bit of a roundtable scenario here. We we talk about – Matt Kenseth and Kenseth making his return at Kansas uh, for Roush Fenway coming home and he will be piloting the six for about the next four or five races depending on whether you count the all-star race as a race in that mix because it's not a points race but uh, running Kansas both Charlotte's and uh, also uh, Pocono and so it should be interesting to see where this goes. Now, Chris, one thing that I think needs to be said here is that when you look at the way that Matt Kenseth has run at Kansas in the past, if there was any track on the circuit where you would happen to want to bring him back to after being out of your organization for a number of years This was a pretty good place to do it. Old Toto seems to be pretty good for him over there in the Midwest.
3: It's the best place to do it, Tom. Do we remember what happened the last time Matt Kenseth drove a Roush Fenway motor at Kansas? Um, He won. Okay. So that's a good place. That's a good stat. That's a good place to start out, Jacob. Jacob's going to
2: add more stats to well, actually, I was going to complain because Chris stole the stat that I was oh. going <laughs> to
1: Chris out, stat boy, the stat boy. No,
2: he just Whoa. happened to steal the microphone and set it first. But, Ooh. yes. That's I it. had that in my back pocket. He didn't steal it. It's I gave the, it to it's him. It's
3: the best place for the the six car to be driven by Matt Kenseth at because that gives Matt Kenseth a great starting point uh, to make his comeback.
1: Okay, so we're now going to skip Jacob just. Because he said that we're going to make him go last. Lenny, your thoughts <laughs> on Matt Kenseth? <laughs> Matt
4: Kenseth And And I didn't, I didn't cut you off. It was Tom putting me in that position. <laughs> I so, know, Lenny. I, okay. I put Jacob
1: in there. Jacob's got to do a stop and go.
4: Well, I hope Kenseth's coming back is short-lived in a positive way. I hope he brings some revenue to the team. That they can then use on the trio of young drivers that are going to be a much longer term potential for their future. Chase Briscoe is an excellent talent. Ty Majeski, I've seen run late models at Snowball and Snowflake. He's an excellent talent. They've uh, gosh, the I I just had his name. The other driver, Austin Cindric is, is a going Pensky. He was won- <laughs> yeah. He's there He's as the a third, waiting yeah. to be hatched to go yeah. the other way. Yeah. But those three young drivers. They need the attention, and if Kinseth om- brings the money but then takes the attention away from their development, I think it will continue to hurt Roush in the long term. They won't develop those next long stars like our Ryan Vargas here who mm-hmm. is you know <laughs> trying to claw his way into one of those type positions. Kinseth, short term, great. I hope it works great, but long term, don't take your eye off the ball of these young
10: kids. Adding on to what he said, I mean – you see it. I mean, you see it in Roush's performance. They've gotten better recently. Recently, even in the last year or so, they've performed a lot better, especially when it comes to the plate races. They won two plate races last year. <clears throat> Stenhouse. Stenhouse. Exactly. <laughs> so, you see that. And then you see Matt Kenseth coming back. Matt Kenseth is a very, 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 very talented race car driver. And he's won many times in Roush equipment. Now, granted, that was much longer ago. That was about five, six, seven years ago. But... When he, with him going back to Roush, like, like he's, like, uh, like he said, I hope, I hope it just helps further the development of that team. And I shouldn't even say development. I guess you say regrowth of that team, because they've just been kind of in a tough place right now. So I hope to see Roush Fenway perform much better at the, you know, at the other tracks, the mile and a half, the yeah. two mile tracks. I just hope to see better performance out of that team, and I think Matt Kenseth will bring that for them. Jacob. The last time
2: that Matt Kenseth was in a Roush Fenway Racing Ford at Kansas, you're just
4: gonna gonna steal it. Your one stat is about to be, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, if if, if this is
1: all you got, we're gonna put you back in the penalty box because you're just repeating what
2: Chris said earlier. No, it's not.
5: Not only did
2: he win. He came from 12th that day. He beat Martin Truex to do it. He led the last 49 laps of that race. Paul Menard, oddly enough, finished third for RCR. And driving in that race, lest we forget, Kenseth was teammates with Carl Edwards, who's now retired. And Regan Smith was subbing for Dale Earnhardt Jr. because that was one of the races he missed with the concussion.
1: In the beginning, that was what, two twelve. Yeah, 2012.
2: 2012. And, by the way, we still had 43-car fields.
1: Yes. Just saying. Yeah, so, right. I mean, this is uh, this is going to be an interesting thing to watch. I mean, you know, I would like to think that despite what everyone's saying, I would like to hold out hope that the truth of the matter is that Kenseth is doing this to try and help the car's performance in such a manner as that it gets better and that he is going to mentor both Stenhouse and Trevor Bain with the intent that Stenhouse and Trevor Bain both come back next year. However, it's not looking like that's the direction it's going to go, but we'll see right now. It appears as though Bain has been reduced to racing in the races in which Ed Boqueror is on the car. And then I guess we'll see, even though I think his contract actually goes through 2019 which is kind of an interesting situation. But um, Matt Kens is certainly going to be a big story at Kansas this weekend. And why not? Because after Kansas, we come to Charlotte and run a couple of races that I'm really excited about, particularly because in this, in this situation, you get a guy coming in to a team that's struggling. And if he should get in the car and go run to the front, I mean that's going to add some drama to the next couple of races at charlotte and uh we'll right. see where that goes so um just kind of interesting to to follow this one and i think another thing that a lot of people aren't talking about here is that getting lost in the fact that Kenseth is coming back it is suddenly raining Motorsports partners on Roush Fenway Racing after they've been in a slump for a number of years with sponsors other than retaining Stenhouses, which, you know, they've turned the corner on the marketing aspect of things. So Matt Kenseth certainly isn't help or isn't hurting in that department either. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that side of it continues as well. We will step aside when we come back. It should be a fun lightning round here on the Stock Car Show. It's presented by our good friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. And we'll tell you about next week when we are going to be at HMS Motorsport right around the turn. We'll be back with more of the show on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network in just a couple of minutes.
6: Stop these tragedies before they happen, don't drink and drive.
5: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
8: I'm Dalton Sargent. You're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Welcome back to the stock car show. It is, some headbangers for you. That is, yeah we we got uh, we got the hard stuff going on tonight, <laughs> music wise. The show, obviously presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can visit them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Motorsport dot com. We would like you to visit us next Thursday at HMS Motorsport in Mooresville. Their Mooresville location. We're going back there for another one of our uh, live remote broadcasts from HMS Motorsport. We have got um, a Facebook Live Motorsports Safety Seminar that's going to involve a box stock cart that races at Millbridge Speedway. So make sure you join us for that. Todd Gilliland scheduled to appear. We're hoping he brings his dad along. Todd. Uh, Todd and David Gilliland and Anthony Alfredo. Uh, also going to be with us and we may have another surprise or two along the way as well so one never knows who may show up so make sure if you're in the mooresville north carolina area anywhere lake norman or charlotte uh, and you want to come out just come on out and um and enjoy the uh the couple of hours with us from seven to nine next thursday the 17th at HMS Motorsport Mooresville. Now, with that being said, before we get to our lightning round, (laughs) Jacob alluded to this earlier. It's kind of like an Oprah show. You get a penalty, and you get a penalty, and you get a penalty. Everybody gets a penalty. NASCAR was handing out penalties I, I mean, like hotcakes, like hotcakes after Dover. It, it it actually got I tried to memorize all of this before the show. And and I'm I g- totally gave up, uh, J- Jacob. We've had we got penalties in in all three divisions from Dover. Yes, And the win that has been. Uh, well, let's just say you can't use it as a playoff win. NASCAR doesn't want me to say my phrase anymore. Cucumbered. Yeah. yeah cucumber <laughs> yeah that's how Justin that all guys win is they, now a vegetable I
10: thought, I thought they got that rid of that word they did but they we did. still we like just to keep, use it we
1: like to use cucumber because well i love cucumbers and oh. because it sounds funny yeah
2: yeah so it's an unofficial unofficial vegetable exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. anyway <laughs> so i'll start from the top down and we'll get to all in a minute the cup series seems to continue to have problems with rear windows Clint Boyer had the same issue that Kevin Harvick had, where the uh, brace, quote unquote, broke, yeah, and the rear window <laughs> depressed itself. <laughs> Who hasn't
10: had the ride? so well, the, the that's raper. a two yeah,
2: race yeah. suspension for the car chief, a fifty thousand dollar fine, a twenty point penalty, all that good stuff. Daniel Suarez's rear window was not flushed to the deck lid of the race car. That's a 20-point penalty, a $50,000 fine for the crew chief, and a two-race suspension for the car chief. Now, we talked earlier in the weekend, Tom, about how Austin Dillon had to go to the rear of Sunday's race at Dover for a splitter issue that was found during pre-race inspection. The number three team has subsequently been penalized for that. Crew Chief Justin Alexander fined $25,000. The car chief suspended for one points race, which will be this weekend at Kansas, unless they decide to appeal. And Kurt Busch, one lug nut, not safe and secure in post-race inspection. That's a $10,000 fine. Xfinity Series, Justin Allgaier gets a cucumbered win, also known as you lose the playoff benefits of said victory. He keeps the Dash for cash money, which is really <laughs> puzzling <to laughs> That's me. That's a head-scratcher. Yeah, really. Well, let you keep the
1: money, but you lose... All the I guess he's got to, you know, I mean, maybe that'll help pay some of the fines.
2: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So th- this has to do with the truck trailing arm spacer and pinion angle shim surfaces. And basically what that is, is a really technical way of uh, saying stuff in the rear end yeah. <laughs> that has been messed with by teams a lot. Additional side force can be generated if this is not done properly. And it wasn't. So 25 driver and owner points for all Allgaier. Crew chief Jason Burdett fined twenty-five grand and... He, not the car chief, has been suspended from the next two points races coming at Charlotte and Pocono. Allguyer can't use the win to qualify for the playoffs and he loses the five playoff points that he would have banked a similar splitter penalty to the cup series r c r number three team goes to the Xfinity Series team. Jeb Burton also had a splitter issue. Um, That's a $10,000 fine in the Xfinity Series, and the car chief suspended for the next Xfinity Series points race at Charlotte later in the month. And a loose slug nut on Todd Gilliland's number four truck in the truck series, a $2,500 fine. What that all adds up to, by the way, is $172,500 to the NASCAR Foundation, because that's where all the fine money goes.
1: Well, hashtag Team you, you know, Lenny, it just occurs to me your show is what thirty minutes long. If, if by the time I, Jacob got yeah. through with all that, you'd have to say goodbye. <laughs> I to would him. have to say goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> that's just crazy. I mean, all these penalties, but you know, these these teams. I mean, some of it obviously we slug nut whatever, but. You know, some of these teams are just doing some really silly things. Interesting. We'll have to see how all that shakes out. A couple of big races coming up. Jacob, I know you've got a pop quiz. You're just dying to spring on us, and none Ooh. of us studied, so well, I hope it's easy. I'm sorry. Is it, it going to be like
10: the one you gave me in Ingram
1: that one time? <laughs> no, that, that no, was, no, no, That no, no, was no. fun. This one will probably be painful. Oh, no, I it, won't be.
2: It, it won't be painful. It's just it's if you were paying attention and thinking during our last segment, it'll notes. be really easy. We were talking during the last segment about Kansas, and Matt Kenseth, uh, by the way, is the all-time laps leader at Kansas, and he's one of only four drivers to have started every single race in track history at the cup level. However, there is one driver who is going for three wins in a row this weekend. That is Martin Truex Jr., who's won the last two races at Kansas. There are two other drivers who have had a shot at the Kansas three-peat. Can you name them?
1: Uh, is one of them let's Jimmy? Let's see. I'm going to go. I'm going. No, say one of them
2: is not Jimmy, Ryan. I'm going to say Kevin Harvick. Incorrect. Kevin only has one
4: win, actually. Oh,
1: wow. Hmm. hmm. Kansas.
4: Yep. Uh, Carry On My Wayward Son. Oh, that's my favorite (laughs) Kansas song. Mine too. Yeah. Love that song. Well,
2: I'll give you a hint. One of the two drivers who did it before Truex we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes.
10: Matt Kenseth?
2: That's correct, sir. Matt Kenseth, by the way, is also the only driver in Kansas Speedway history to win Multiple cup races at Kansas and do it for two different teams. He won his last Kansas race for Roush Fenway and his first Kansas race for Joe Gibbs Racing. The, okay. other, the other driver, by the way, was Jeff Gordon, who won the first two races at Kansas back in 01 and 02. Wait, it, did you
1: say that backwards? I think no. you said he won his last race for Roush Fenway and his first race for Joe Gibbs. His
2: last Kansas race for Roush Fenway in 2012. Oh, I see. And okay. Then his, and first Kansas Kansas and his first Kansas race. Yes. One. I got yes, it. Okay. that's
1: correct. I see. Right. That's correct. I was thinking in, geo- in chronological yeah,
2: order. Yeah, no, no, not okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. So, who's the other driver?
2: Jeff Gordon, I just said that. Oh,
1: Jeff Gordon, okay. Yeah,
2: he he won in 01 and 02, the very first two races there were ever held at Kansas.
1: Interesting. Yep. Well, the guy right now to beat at Kansas is Kyle Busch. Oh, uh, really? Kyle Even Luke. though Martin Truex has dominated the last two. Yeah, but Kyle Busch is the hot guy right now. And that's kind of the way you know that I, his stats are great, but show me what you're doing now. And although Truex has certainly had some speed, for me, my money is on the 18 because that team is just simply on fire right now in the cup series him and Kevin Harvick are the two teams to beat as far as I'm concerned and I'm I'm calling the 18 shot here because when we get to Charlotte uh I'm going to call somebody else's shot Jacob and it isn't going to be Kyle Bush's
2: no and it's probably not going to be Jimmy Johnson either no (laughs) no All right, so any final musings, thoughts around the table
1: real fast before I – Well, I want to hear what the rest of the cast thinks, Lenny. Uh, let's get a cup pick from you for the Kansas race on Saturday night, other than carry on my wayward son, which is, a, <laughs>
4: which is valid. Um, I don't have a, a, a Kansas thought, uh, but I have a Kansas hope that it'd be Clint Boyer, a win in his home state. Yes,
2: please. That'd be pretty yes, really darn cool. Please.
4: His Martinsville victory lane, the aftermath after it, was the most refreshing, organic, natural way that this sport should be done.
1: Well, for a second, I thought you were going to hit the point of no return there. But uh, <laughs> there we go. See? All right, Chris, what have you got?
3: I'm going to go with a guy that has has been around the top ten but just hasn't been able to get it done. This season so far, I'm going to go with the two of
10: Brad Kay. Brad Kay, real quick, Ryan Vargas. I'm going to have to go with old MTJ stage winner.
1: All right, so he's going with uh, Truex. Jacob?
2: Make it two for Truex. Make
1: it two for Truex, and this show is now about to be dust in the wind, so go ahead and (laughs) close us out.
2: Yes, sir, and thank you for all the song references in the final three minutes of this show. Thanks also to Bob Steele, Sue Mason, all the staff at PMN that helps make this show possible and, uh, well, keeps us from going crazy most of the time, but then again, we just don't listen to them and do it anyways. It's been fun for Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, our special guests lenny baticki and ryan vargas who is currently buried in his phone as we're going off the air (laughs) i'm jacob sealman reminding you to keep it (laughs) off the wall folks and uh, if you're headed to a racetrack somewhere we might just see you there have a safe racing weekend
10: good Good night.
0: night You've been listening to The Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.